to deleted saves. On this episode, Clive Barker's Undying on PC. Video games have had an, an unusual privilege of being a creative tryout playground for people who are successful in other types of professional artistic fields. However, that usually means is a dumping ground for half-baked and shitty ideas. So what was today's game? Let's find out as I discuss 2001's Clive Barker's Undying. Now, this is hardly a first in games. We have had novelists write for video games before, or at least sketch out a story outline and toss it at whatever developer is making the fucking thing. And it is not the first time we've seen a horror game filtered through first-person shooter perspective or simply first-person gameplay. But Undying is one of the earliest examples of both, games like System Shock notwithstanding. Guy Barker himself is a British novelist, playwright, illustrator, and director, best known for such things as Hellraiser, Nightbreed, Candyman, TV scripts, comic books, art collections, and gallery shows. This guy is prolific, to say the least, as a creator, and even Stephen King once said, quote, I have seen the future of horror, and his name is Clive Barker, unquote. That is high praise coming from King, himself the name in horror for over a decade in the United States before Barker rose to prominence. High praise, even if it is only marketing speech. Don't forget, King also loved the first Evil Dead movie, but that film is still little more than a horror cult hit 40 years later. Despite his prolific career, Barker has remained something of an also-ran in the annals of American horror landscape, despite his fans. But then again, being a novelist in America is something of a tough job, as most Americans would rather not read more than they have to, keeping the largesse of their literacy experience to tweets, inflammatory headlines, and sports scores. It's kind of like being the DJ at a strip club. You're doing your best to impress the patrons and keep the atmosphere flowing, but you know damn well you are not the show they came for. But this status may have allowed Barker a lot of creative freedom to try multiple art forms and simply not getting pigeonholed into only one thing and being able to do it well. One of those attempts was Undying, which he wrote and even provided a character voice for. In Undying, you play Patrick Galloway, an Irish adventurer and World War I veteran, abroad in the world in the early 1920s and investigating paranormal activity after an event during the war tore away the veil that separates the land of the living and the land of the dead. In between occult jobs, he receives a panicked letter from his old friend and fellow World War I survivor, Jeremiah Covenant, who has spooky happenings on his sprawling family estate on the Irish coast. Covenant is the oldest of five siblings, and as children, they found some sort of terrifying evil tome in their father's library and performed a ritual at a set of standing stones on the estate grounds that cursed them with death and now only Jeremiah is left. Except, Jeremiah says, his siblings have returned from the dead and are trying to kill him, and he feels only Patrick will believe him and can save him. Patrick decides to come help his old friend and deal with the undead Covenant siblings and the demons haunting the estate grounds, starting by challenging the vampiric youngest daughter, Lisbeth. But before we can do that, there is one thing we have to do collect the only weapon that can permanently kill the siblings, an ancient weapon of evil's bane called the Scythe of the Celts. And this is where the whole frame of the game gets very wobbly, as the first area we must traverse to get said scythe is to go back in time to the past. That's right. Undying is 
also a time travel game. Fuck me. Anyway, Patrick simply cannot walk up and claim the scythe. Instead, the weapon is defended by former monks that have gone crazy due to their proximity to the magic of the weapon. Once he hews his way through the monks, revolver in one hand and magic green stone in the other, because that's how Patrick rolls, casting spells while firing off hot lead at the enemy, he can return to the present and enter the estate catacombs in the style of doom and lay waste the supernatural. After Elizabeth eats enough bullets to refight the Battle of Gettysburg, Patrick lops off her head and moves on to the next sibling in line, the brother Ambrose, who Barker himself voices. Upon arriving to tell Jeremiah of his first victory, Ambrose appears and cuts off Jeremiah's head, killing him, and then turns into some kind of hulking undead horror which Patrick must then dispose of. Once done, he could leave, his friend being dead, but a new rival reveals himself, a necromantic sorcerer named Count Otto Kriesinger, who has traveled to the Covenant Estate to suck up all the evil energy for himself and to be the first to welcome the thing that Covenant siblings have unleashed, an ancient Celtic king known as the Undying King, into the world. His job far from over, Patrick dimension hops into some sort of Hieronymus Bosch meets M.C. Escher world, where Kiesinger has a stronghold of enslaved magical people, whom Patrick must liberate in the progress and process, I guess. Really, this story thread kind of sucks, and other than some token-related eldritch horror setup shit, it's kind of like finding a turd halfway through an ice cream sundae that you're forced to eat. That could have been its own game entirely, but here it is in the midst of a monster-slaying game. Maybe this is common practice in Barker's worlds? I don't know, I've never really read his stuff. Just seen a few movies, but it tracks with his art-as-horror style. Maybe that's why I never cared for Hellraiser. But once back from his shotgun vacation in the fifth dimension, Patrick resumes the hunt, next going after Aaron, the ghost of one of the siblings who has been attacking and tormenting Patrick throughout the game thus far, but can't be hurt because, well, he's a ghost. But Patrick has magic, and phosphorus shotgun rounds, and cold iron bullets and shit, all designed to kill fairies and zombies and such. But Aaron has plot armor, I guess. Aaron looks and acts like Edgar Allan Poe on Trailer Park Meth, but maybe Barker was making a point with that. I don't know. Anyway, Patrick must find the mortal remains of Aaron, which another sibling named Bethany destroyed after he became undead just to fuck with him more because of how much they hated each other, and because she tortured Aaron to death to begin with. Wow. This is really just becoming a Gordian knot of sibling rivalry and incestuous hate. Clive, you okay, buddy? Something you need to tell us? But again, Patrick, who is quickly becoming the inflamed appendix to this whole body of family drama as he literally scythes his way through these freaks, triumphs, one step closer to ending this nightmare in a race against time as the Undying King is getting ready to manifest and killing off this rotten family will stop this. But Bethany is nowhere to be found. Instead, she traps Patrick in yet another alternate dimension, different from the last one, where Bethany sends her most damnable legions to defeat him before she herself is slain and Patrick is dumped unceremoniously back into reality. But our tale is not yet done, so spoilers ahead. Thinking the Undying King has been defeated, 
Patrick appears at the Standing Stones, where all this started, with Jeremiah seemingly alive and well after his brother killed him. Unfortunately for Patrick, Jeremiah has been lying to him this whole time. Rather than playing the wounded war veteran and remorseful elder brother, Jeremiah, it turns out, was just as vile as his siblings and gleefully led them down the path to hell itself. And he, in fact, died during the war and was resurrected, but needed Patrick's power and green magic stone to kill his more powerful siblings so that he could be the one through whom the undying king manifests. Eek. In a rage, Patrick beheads him. That's twice for Jeremiah now, if you're keeping count. For good, but miscalculates as with this killing, the seal between the dimensions breaks and the undying king, in the form of a bug monster, forces his way into reality. But in true FPS fashion, one man with a shotgun blows apart an unspeakable evil. All we're missing is Mick Gordon playing an extreme metal version of Irish folk songs and ragtime or swing in the background. Patrick leaves the estate dazed, and is confronted by an unknown man who steals his magic stone, saying he's part of a monastic order who held the side of the Celts originally, and has monasteries all over the world, and that this was to be the first of many battles. So a sequel was baited that, surprise, surprise, never came out. Oh, holy fuck. Let's get into this. Originally developed by DreamWorks Interactive and published by EA, Yet again, EA has their hooks into something that goes sideways. I guess when you have that many properties under your umbrella, some are just bound to be duds. The game was originally supposed to star a hugely muscular and tattooed man named Count Magnus Wolfram. Oof, what a fucking name. That sounds like something a six-year-old would think was cool. A 1920s Doomslayer clone, if you will. Thankfully, Clive Barker himself said no to that, and developed Patrick Galloway, the hero, to be just a normal guy which he felt would be more relatable to the player. And I will say that was a good call. In horror, you want the protagonist to be as normal and relatable as possible to make sure the horror hits harder. But hitting harder in an FPS game, even with all the horror as a theme, well, that's not really what happens. What we get is a game where the protagonist is constantly on the back foot because the enemies are numerous, too fast, bullet sponges, and ammo, healing surprise, and magic recovery points are slow and few and far between. Patrick is too vulnerable, and I had to input a godlike cheat code just to get to the end of the game. And even though I couldn't die, I was always out of ammo and had to rely on subpar magic power. But that's nothing Barker did, that was the development house. Critics of the time gave it middling to okay reviews, saying the atmosphere and the look were great, but it was just too much and peters out halfway through the game. The game sold so badly that even EA shelved plans for a multiplayer update patch, because that's just what a fucking horror game needs, multiplayer deathmatch. Please eat an entire festering, backed-up toilet of shit, EA. And any sort of sequel was cancelled and shelved as well. Yet somehow, despite this failure, Barker came back to write another horror FPS, which also bombed. I don't know if that says anything about the developers, the publishers, the games themselves, if maybe professional authors shouldn't write for games, or who knows what. Maybe they tried to cover game issues with a famous name. Well, famous if you know who he already was as the dude who created Pinhead. Undying does absolutely drip with atmosphere. 
It is great visual horror, and honestly, the story beats are good as far as the supernatural horror goes. But the estate is an unforgiving maze of rooms that look alike, full of howling gremlins that drain precious resources, bosses that hit like trucks in two small arenas where the protagonist is made of glass, and it hops around too much between the modern day of the game and the past or ridiculous dimensions that feel shoehorned in. It is such a painful Doom or Wolfenstein clone done by people who I don't think really understood what made those games work, or maybe understood too well what made those games not work. And I am not an FPS fan by nature, but even I could say there was trouble in Shooty Town. So why is this neither a problematic favorite episode nor a We Need to Talk episode? Because I'm unsure if it fits in either category. There is just a lot of good, solid stuff here that was squandered either by a rush or bad development, but it's not something I could play over and over despite the flaws. I did have to enter a god code just to get anywhere, as I said. Clive Barker's Undying does need to be recognized for what it is. A flawed game with massive stumbling blocks that led to much better first-person horror games like Resident Evil 7, or 8, or Condemned, or Alien Isolation but not Amnesia or Outlast, because those two ridiculous games can kiss my ass. But Undying is worthy of being looked at and studied by future game developers. Hopefully someone out there can take the bones of this and shine it up into the gem it could have been, someday. And I wish you good luck if you can. What more can I say about Clive Barker's Undying? Try it for yourself if you can, and maybe you will have a different opinion on it. Despite having his name slathered on it, it is not a mark against Barker himself, and the game just sort of an unfortunate experiment in gaming that instead of flaming out or shining bright, simply bought a small quaint cottage in the English countryside to have a cuppa at and live quietly until retirement. Or at least until some dumb kids find it and drag it out to a set of standing stones to resurrect. Thank you for listening. Deleted Saves would like to thank Brad for being a patron of the show. If you would like to become a patron of the show, please go to patreon.com and check out Deleted Saves podcast. All donations go directly towards maintaining the show itself. Thank you.